Good morning. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much. Um, for those who have led us into this time of worship, so excited um, to just be with you this morning again. Uh, so grateful and want to, to thank each and every one of you that has um, that, that took part in our graduate service last week and um, that really just truly made uh, our graduates feel so loved and, and seen and supported in these uncertain and crazy times. To everyone who uh, helped prepare beforehand, uh, for all the hands that uh, helped with, with during the service, for all the cards and encouragement and the love and the generosity that was extended to our graduates. Just thank you guys so much uh, for all that you did for them. Uh, I would try to name everybody by name, but I would miss somebody, so I'm not going to. But you know who you are, and I've heard it time and time again from our, our, our graduates and their families um, how appreciative, how, how loved, how grateful they are for the generosity that was extended uh, to our seniors in high school. Um, and we're just so grateful for that. So I want to, to thank you for all that you, uh, you did. And uh, we looked at some verses in Proverbs chapter 3, mainly 5 and 6, to just um, bring encouragement and hope, uh, guidance to, to their lives and, and as one chapter is ending and a new one is beginning. And when you look at Proverbs, one word that really um, maybe summarizes or really stands out uh, for that book is wisdom. It is God's wisdom. And, um, you know, wisdom is not some kind of treasure, you know, when we think about it, that is far off and is unattainable. But rather, every day God is calling us through his word and the Holy Spirit calling us to a life of wisdom. And so it's my desire that we expand um, a little bit more on Proverbs chapter 3, because I believe there's great wisdom for us to grasp um, from verse 1, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, the plan is 12, but that's my plan and not God's plan. So we'll, we'll, um, we will start in verse 1, but before we do, uh, let us open um, in, in prayer before we read God's Word. Father God, we pray for the reading of your word, God. We pray for this service, God, uh, to be hidden behind the cross and that we would see you, God, that much will be made of you and less of man. So, God, would you speak to us? Would you give us ears to hear your word? God, a heart that is softened to receive your word. And will we continue to walk in boldness, God, when we don't know all that you are calling us to, but we desire to be obedient sons and daughters of you. So God, help us to hear from you today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of the days of years and peace they will add to you. Now, those, those first two words are, are, are maybe very simple, but I believe hold a lot of truth for us as believers. My son, this status, this title, this relationship, this condition that we have been created to be, not just God's creation, but we are called to be his sons and daughters. 
which there's a big difference. And not just to be his sons and daughters, but be his adopted children into his life, into his family, brought into this condition of sonship with the Father. As Romans chapter 8, it reads, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If we indeed share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Our God is not distant and far off to where he is ruling on a throne and he's looking down upon us, but he is here, he is intimate, and he has created us for that intimacy, that relationship with God the Father, that God has created us to be in his family, to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That, that, that just blows my mind. <laughs> that is more than I can grasp. But we serve a loving and a good, good Father who has designed that for us and has put eternity into our hearts. And so he says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Now this is a principle for us to, to really grasp. And what, he, what, what, we, what we see being told to us and being spoken here is that we need to be careful that the word of God is not crowded out of our lives. That we do not forget God's teachings. Because there are many, many, many distractions in this world. Just turn on the news. Just turn on social media. Just talk to your neighbor. Just talk to your own family. There are many distractions that are out there and that are looking to distract us from the word of God. Now, what it's not saying is that God can ever be forgotten. Or what it's not saying is that God will ever leave us or, or that he will, he will be too far and too far gone that we cannot obtain him and his truth and his teachings. But rather, it is a principle for the, the sons and daughters of God, the church, Christians, to be found diligently in the word of God. And like we said last week, the word of God is where we find the will of God. The will of God is found in the word of God. And so we must be diligent to be in the word of God. We will find ourselves in the will of God if we keep his commands. And that's what that, that second part of that verse says, but let your heart keep my commands. It's not enough for us to just be in the word of God. It's not enough for us just to carry the word of God. It's not enough for us to bring the word of God with us as we come to church. It's not enough for us to have the word of God placed beside our, our bed. It's not enough for the word of God to be brought into our dorm rooms, to be brought into our schools. It's not enough for the word of God for us to carry it into our workplaces. But it is the word of God that we must obey, that we must keep his commandments, that we must be not just hearers of the word, not just readers of the word, but we are commanded and called to be doers of the word. And when we are doers of the word, there's something beautiful that happens 
when we start to read the Word of God and to reason with the Word of God and to wonder and ponder on the Word of God, when we pray over the Word of God, that we see the Holy Spirit of God starting to chisel the Word of God on our hearts, that we see the Word of God starting to, to be manifested in our lives because we are applying the Word of God as we try to live it out and live out His commandments. And we see, we pick up back in, in verse 3, it says, Do not love love. Y'all wake? Just checking. All right. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. You see, when we read the Word of God and when we study the Word of God, we are called to, to keep the Word of God. Do not let it leave you. This, this picture of cultivating a life where we are constantly taking the weeds out, taking the things of this world, throwing them out, and constantly cultivating this life of truth, this life where, where we are not living a life of our own, but we're living a life that God has commanded and called us to. And there's a call for us to, to, for the Word of God to not just be on our minds and not just to remember the Word of God, but for the Word of God to be pressed down into our hearts, to be mended into our lives and into our souls, that, that, we, that the Word of God doesn't stick here, but it sticks here into our hearts, that we keep them, never letting them leave our hearts when, it, when, it, when in that verse where it says, do not let love and kindness leave you, bind them around your neck and write them on a tablet of your heart so they will find favor and good repute in the sight of God. When, we, when, I, when I was first reading that and, I, and where it said, bind them around your neck, I don't know if you remember um, this, this artist, but his name is Flavor Flav. Anybody? Couple, thank you. <laughs> Flavor Flav was an artist. I don't remember much about him. This was before uh, I encountered the risen Jesus in a personal, intimate way. So, but Flavor Flav was known for one thing, at least to me, was this huge clock around his neck. He wore a huge clock, like a clock, not a wristwatch, not a little emblem or a belt buckle, but a large clock that was around his neck. And so when I thought about that, I thought about that part of Scripture and that we are to bind kindness and truth around our neck. And when I thought about that, I thought about a few things. One, this will get old pretty quick. That this could get in the way of, of eating dinner or maybe it'll act as a bib, I don't know, but it would be inconvenient I can imagine going into the grocery store, if I was wearing this, some people would look very funny at me. There would probably be um, insults or slanders or gossip or different things that would happen to me if I were to wear and bind kindness and truth around my neck. But I believe that is what we're called to do. 
that we are called to bring kindness, to bring truth wherever we go. And I believe that it's true that it is uncomfortable at times and inconvenient and unpopular. But I believe we're also wise to, to define that word of kindness. Because if we look all around us and we're honest, God's design, God's order, God's, God's truth and God's word has been distorted from the garden. <laughs> where the enemy, where Satan questioned, did God really say? And so I believe we're wise to, to examine what is kindness, what is true kindness. If we're supposed to bind this around our neck, I believe we should know what kindness is. Now, kindness cannot be completely and fully defined because kindness is a term that overlaps with many other terms in, in, in Scripture. We see that kindness will, will overlap with truth, love, and faithfulness, and as well as uh, compassion and holiness, with, which are fruit of the Spirit. But kindness is an attribute of God. Kindness is a quality that is desirable but not consistently found in you and me. Kindness we see in Luke chapter 6 where Jesus is defining. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Let your reward be great in heaven. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And we see the kindness of God manifested in the word of God. Even when his creatures are ungrateful and wicked. We see that God's kindness is intended to lead us, to lead you and I, to repentance and not into rejection of him. In Romans 2, Paul writes, or, did, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So what is true of kindness according to Scripture? What, if, what is true of kindness according to God what we know is true in general of God and his kindness is also specifically attributed to Jesus Christ, who is gentle and kind. And so for us to get an even deeper or even greater understanding of what kindness is and what kindness looks like, I believe we would be wise to look at the life of Jesus Christ. And when I think of the life of Jesus Christ, there are many opportunities where we can share for today, but I've chosen just a couple for us for today's message. The first one that, that, that I believe is, is great for us to see a true picture of kindness is, is after Jesus was on the Sermon of the Mount, after he preached to the multitude, 
In chapter 8 of Matthew, he is, he is descending the mountain. And he, has, he is descending a mountain. There's a multitude that gathers around him. And in the multitude, there's one individual. He's a leper. And he makes his way through the crowd to find Jesus, and he asks Jesus for healing. Now, the leper is somebody that nobody wants to associate with. That they were ordered to wear bells and to shout out when they were out and in public so others would leave their presence and get as far away as they could from the leper. And this leper approaches Jesus and asks for healing. And in the kindness of his heart, he just speaks, no. I believe he could. I believe with all my heart he could speak. He could have spoken in that moment and said, be well, be cleansed, and all would have been well for him. But in the kindness and in the gentleness, he gets close to him, so close to where he touches him, and he heals him. Or what about the adulterous woman? The woman caught in the act of adultery, red-handed, guilty. She is guilty of punishment. They found her in the act. They drag her out. They humiliate her and place her in, in, in the midst of Jesus and those that were gathered around him. They give their case. She is found guilty. She is guilty. She's deserving of death, Jesus. What should we do? Stones in hand. They're ready to condemn her. In the kindness of his heart, he bends down and he writes in the sand. He who is out without sin, he tells him, cast the first stone. He bends down and writes some writes a little more in the sand. What, what does he write? I don't know. Maybe the sins of those that are gathered. And one by one, the rocks are dropped and the, the accusers leave. Left alone is Jesus and the guilty, adulterous woman. And he looks at her and says, where are your accusers? Where are those that have condemned you? They're gone, Jesus. Go, leave this life of sin. I, can, I do not condemn you either, he says. In the kindness and the gentleness of who Jesus is, his grace and his mercy and his kindness is extended to the guilty. What about at, at the Last Supper, as he's washing the feet of his disciples, and not just his disciples, but the one who would betray him, that he washes the feet of his betrayer, knowing, knowing what he would do. What about as he is being um, led to the cross? After he has been beaten and spit upon, after he's been mocked and humiliated, stripped of his clothing, crowned with a crown of thorns, Pressed deep into his head as he carries his cross. This 
Roman torture tool on top of the mountain. And as he is nailed to that cross, and as he is on that cross hanging and being insulted by those that are around him, by being insulted by the criminal to the side of him, the criminal on his other side says, Father, says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you, are, when you enter paradise. Remember me. Forgive me of my sins. You are innocent. I am guilty. And in the kindness of Jesus Christ, as he is hanging there, as he has already bore our sin, as he's already been beaten beyond recognition, how inconvenient would that be to have a conversation with somebody? How inconvenient would it be to show kindness and love and mercy in those moments? But Scripture says that is what true kindness looks like. And he extends it to the criminal on the cross. Can you see how this world has perverted what kindness looks like? Could you imagine if it was that kind of kindness that we bore around our neck? Could you imagine when we go into school with that kind of kindness, what kind of difference that would make? Could you imagine if we went into our homes with that kind of kindness, into our communities? Could you imagine if we were a church that exemplified that kind of kindness? And I believe it is that kind of kindness that we are called to wear, to bind around our neck, because when we wear that kind of kindness, that's who we are showing to this lost and dying world. It is that kind of kindness where we show them Jesus. Because his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness is unconditional. We are undeserving of it. Just like the adulterous woman, just like the criminal on the cross, we don't deserve it. But he extends it over and over, and over, and over, and over again. And I believe it is that kind of kindness that, that the children of God, his sons and his daughters, are created to be, are created to live out, are created to show. I believe that's the life of a Christian, to know God and to make him known, to know Jesus in an intimate and personal way and to make him known to a lost and dying world. This week shared with me was this acronym for faith. The life of a Christian, we are saved by grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. And this acronym of faith was forsaking all, I take him. The life of a Christian, because guys, this is not convenient, right? This is not popular. But when we, when we as, Jesus, as Christians claim Jesus as Lord of our life, we are claiming him as Lord of all of our life. And so my question to you, have you forsaken all to take him? Have you forsaken all? that this world has? Have you forsaken your own life 
to trust and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord of all of your life. Because I believe that is the life of a Christian. I believe that marks us and that makes us dramatically and drastically different to this world. It's not cheap. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's not popular. But I do believe it's worth it all. Worth it all. This sermon has spoke to me more than maybe any other one that I have been preparing for. And I realize that I'm not preaching up here to, to say I've got it all together because I don't. And I see where I fall short time and time and time again. But I believe that today we can take one more step towards this kind of kindness. I believe that we could take one more step into making Jesus know, into knowing him by immersing ourselves into his truth by meditating on it day and night, applying it to our lives and living it out, laying aside our own agendas and plans so that we can walk diligently in the will and in the word of God. Because let's face it, guys, there is so much going on out there today and has been and will continue to be the enemy is looking to divide and to conquer and devour God's children. There's a war that is raging out there and has been and will continue until our Savior returns. What is the next step for you to take in obedience to his commands and to his calls? in obedience to, to, to making Jesus known and knowing Jesus. Martin Luther says, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. What have we given up? What have we suffered for the cause of Jesus Christ? For the gospel to be pioneered, for the gospel to be made known and taken forth into our communities and to this world? I don't know how much I've suffered. But it is out of that relationship, it is out of, out, of, out of obedience to Jesus Christ, it is out of knowing God and making him known that in verse 5 and 6 that we can truly trust in him. Where it says in, in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It is out of that relationship that we can truly trust him. It is out of that relationship that we can. This word trust translated is, is a picture of us to lie face down in surrenderance to Jesus Christ. 
to lie face down at the cross of Christ, to, to lie f- face down at the throne room of God, of his grace, of his salvation, and his gospel, to lay face down there in surrenderance to Jesus, I give you it all. All to you I owe. And we can live a life of obedience and surrenderance to Jesus Christ. And in all of our ways, in all of our ways, this picture that, that for the life of a Christian, we don't have a checklist of spiritual things and material things, and well, this might be family things, and this is social media things, but the life of a Christian, we understand that it is all his. All he has given to us is his. All we owe him all. Because he has given us way more than we deserve. And all is his. And I want to skip down to to verses 11 and 12 because I believe it would be beneficial to read these verses in closing. It says, my son, we go back and we see those two simple words, but I believe are too intimate and that change everything. Going from just God's creation to God's children. That it is out of that alignment and that relationship with Jesus Christ that makes the difference in all of this. That we must know that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We must know that we know that we know that we have been changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that makes all the difference. He says, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son whom he delights. The children, the son that God delights are the ones that he disciplines. The ones that he loves, he disciplines. And like I've been disciplined for these few days of reading and preparing, I feel disciplined. I feel like I've missed the mark in many ways of showing Jesus and kindness to this world. But I'm reminded it is because he loves me that he disciplines me. That no matter how how much it hurts, it will never harm me. No matter how much his discipline hurts, it will never harm you. Because it is through the discipline that we become more like Jesus. It is through the discipline that we become more holy, more set apart, more refined, more mature as his children. Deuteronomy 8 reads, You shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness for 40 years, that he might humble you, test you, and know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not, he humbled you and let you be hungry, and he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you 
are to know in your heart that the Lord your God disciplining was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Just as I discipline my child because I love him, because I don't, I'm not looking to, to, make him, uh, to change all his behaviors, but the desire is for heart transformation that I discipline because it's not that I want to take all these things from him, but that I believe and I truly believe with all my heart that there's so much that God has in store for him and her. And it is that kind of discipline that God the Father looks down at his children and says, I love them. I have so much life for their years. I have so much for them. And so his discipline comes to correct us when we are disobedient. His discipline comes to redirect us when we're heading down a wrong path and to keep us from sin. But his discipline is out of love. Have you experienced the love of the Father? Have you experienced the love of the Savior? If you have, let us bind his kindness and his truth around our necks and wear them like ornaments proudly into the sufferings and to the adversity and into our communities and to our families so that we may know Jesus and make Jesus known. Today, tomorrow, and every other day until he calls us home. And guys, when you find yourself like myself, a little off the path or pretty far off the path, Take one step at a time back towards his truth, towards his commands, and towards his promises. I love this quote as I come to a close, guys, from Garrett. He says about these verses, about about Proverbs chapter 3, he says, It calls the reader to the full richness of the life of faith. That includes the submission of the intellectual, intellectual life and of material things to God. Respect to other persons and above all, an eagerness to embrace the right way of life in this God's world. It offers the promise of personal wholeness and of confidence in the face of an uncertain future. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. What is your next step? Only you know that. Ooh, there's a hole there. (laughs) That was my next step. All right. (laughs) Guys, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in online. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you have responded in any way, please let us know. Um, please let, let our church know, let our pastor know how we could be praying for you, how he could come alongside of you. But guys, we, we love you. We're so grateful for you. I'm going to ask uh, Casey Jennings, one of our deacons, to come and close us in prayer And I just want to remind you of just a few announcements as he does that. Um, Children's choir is is 
It's taking a break through the summer, and so it'll resume in uh, September, I do believe. Um, so Children's Choir, we have our children's message at 6 o'clock tonight, and then our Wednesday night student message is at 6.30 uh, every Wednesday night. But thank you guys. I love you all. God bless. Let's pray. Holy God, we love you. We just thank you, God, for this message you've given us today. We thank you, God, that we have the, the confidence and we have the, the comfort knowing that everything that exists, God, is in your hands. God, that you spoke it sovereignly into existence uh, on your own. And God, there's, there's nothing that's outside of your, your control. So God, we can rest in that. God, we just pray that you'll make us, God, more like Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll make us kind. I ask you, God, to give us, to give us the faith we need to fully submit to you, God, to lay down all of our, our preferences, our, our fleshly desires, the things of this world that we think we want. God, I just pray that you'll help us to, to step away from all of that, God, and just focus on you, submit to you, God. I pray, God, you'll help us to love the way you love, to see people the way you see people. And Holy God, I pray as we leave here today that we, we go out into the world, we go back to work, wherever it is we're going from here, God, and I pray that when people see us, they'll see a reflection of you. And that when they encounter us, they, they'll know that, that through us, God, they've encountered you. I just ask you, God, to, to help us to minister to those who are hurting in the wild and turbulent times we're living in right now, God. I just I thank you that we know the one rock, that we know the one uh, source of salvation, God, and I pray, God, you'll help us to, to show that to everyone. Holy God, be with us as we go through this week. We just thank you, God, that for who you are. We acknowledge, God, that all good gifts come from you and you alone. Thank you for each person that's here this afternoon, this morning. I just pray, God, that um, everyone who heard this message this morning, God, uh, will we'll walk away differently with a changed heart. God, we love you, and we thank you for all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.